Uh, Wu Tang, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, how's things? Um, how are you all keeping? Um, I haven't, uh, I wasn't here last week. Because last week I gave you a sketch podcast. I hope you enjoyed this sketch podcast. Um, I greatly enjoyed making I fucking love making them sketches. I fucking have some laugh making them. So it's to 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 the effect, to the extent that um, I don't really give a shit if people like it or not, to be honest. It's just one of them things. I just kind of don't give a shit if, like, anyone's, like... Do you know what I mean? If anyone's actually... I don't sit down and go, alright, what do people find funny? Oh my god, people are gonna love this. I don't I don't sit down and do that. I, I I literally just sit down. If I'm laughing, then fuck it, it's going in. And if I'm not laughing, fuck off. Even if I was to show it to someone and they said, Man, that was fucking hilarious, definitely put that in. But I just didn't like it, I'd take it out. Only things that I find funny. Um that's kind of the only criteria I have. And, um... So, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you didn't, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's the that's the opening message of this week. Of this week's podcast. Um... Um... So, I mean, what I want to talk about this week is, uh... Is something kind of similar to that right um look if i always say if if you're enjoying the podcast and you're having a good listen just tell a few of your mates just or you know what i mean just tell a few of your mates who you think might enjoy it and if you're listening and you don't enjoy it then you don't have to keep listening that's fine you know what i mean i don't have any great ambitions and i don't you know I, mean? I don't expect i don't expect i don't expect um I don't expect everyone to like this shit, but if you are enjoying it, uh, just tell one of your friends, and uh, you know if you tell one of your friends, and then he tells one of his friends, and then she tells one of her friends, and then they tell one of their friends. Do you know what I mean? That's about you know, you know, five or six new people who are enjoying this, and that's you know, you know, have a nice little community going. You know what I mean? So I keep forgetting to remind people to do that. So I'm going to get that out the way now because I know I'm going to forget later on once I get into the podcast. Um, so, um, yeah, so if you're enjoying it, just tell it, just tell one of your mates. And if you've already told one of your mates and he hasn't listened yet, get on to him again. Say, here, cop the fuck on. <laughs> Say, here, cop the fuck on and listen to that, right? <laughs> Don't. All right. Okay, so what's this week's podcast about? Ooh, what I'm doing this week is something that you that you're not really supposed to do. There's the I'm gonna analyze a comedian, and what you're you're not really supposed to do that. I mean, there's that old expression. Who was it that said it? I forget who said it, but it was something to the effect of. Um, I feel like it was. Like E.B. White or T.S. Eliot. One of those fuckers. You know one of those fuckers who just like say things. <laughs> it was something to the effect of analysing humour is like dissecting a frog. Nobody's interested and then the frog dies. <laughs> it is a bit like that. But um, it's just something I enjoy doing. I enjoy kind of analyse. I, I like to analyse shit that you know other people 
usually wouldn't. Um, I like to analyse humour and I like to analyse comedians, particularly to do with style. And um, the person I want to talk about today is probably... No, do you know what? I would... Likely my favourite comedian of all time. I'm trying to think, because when I say that out loud, it sounds like, oh, that sounds a bit harsh, what about... And I'm thinking of other comedians that I like, but... The biggest influence on anything kind of comedic that I do, I'd say the biggest influence would be Bo Burnham. And I, I, I can't think of anyone who's... Who'd have a bigger effect on me? I mean, there's certain. I mean, there's. A, I mean, there's a long list of of people in particular that, um, particularly with my sketches, there's a long list of people. But Bo Burnham, I'd say, would be um, one of the, my biggest influences. No, probably my number one influence to the to the to the extent that I don't fully realize it. Does that make sense? To the extent where I just were in preparation for this podcast, I went back and watched all of Bo Burnham stuff, and to the extent where I was looking going oh my god there's so much that I just fucking pulled out <laughs> do you know what I mean there's just a lot that um that might necessarily seem like it is pulled straight from him but I know personally it's like that's exactly where I got that from that's exactly where I'm getting this from I mean um just to, to the extent where it's just kind of I think because I was such a big fan of him at, at such a kind of a young, kind of impressionable age that um, I think it's just kind of, it's kind of in, it's it's in my fucking, it's, it's going to sound fucking cringy as fuck, but it's kind of in my DNA to an extent. Do you know what I mean? It's just there and no matter what I do, it, it'll just be there. And there's always a few people like that. There's a few, if you're doing anything creative whatsoever, it's always usually down to having a particular um having one particular person that greatly inspired you at whatever age and whatever you do then is rooted in whatever it was that inspired you in the first place you know what i mean and everyone who does anything creative has that do you know what i mean so i want to talk about bo burnham as a comedian um i'm going to go through i want to i want to discuss his whole career um, almost as a almost as a kind of a whole kind of essay. Um, I want to go through his whole comedy career because he's, from what I can gather, I think he's probably done with comedy now. Which is funny because he's only after just how old is he now? I think he's only just turned thirty, so he's just out of his twenties, and I think he's I think he gave up. I mean, I think his last. His last comedy special on Netflix, he was twenty five, and I think he'd given up at that point. Um, so what I want to what I want to discuss is is his is his career is is his comedy career from start to finish because chances are it's probably finished and he's probably going to do other things. So I think now that it's finished, you can probably you can probably you can you can kind of look at it as a start to finish career now. You know what I mean? Whereas if he was still doing it, it would be hard to kind of figure it out because he's still going. But um, he's kind of done everything he's going to do comedy-wise now. So I think it's good to... I think it's 
it's good as, as good a time as any to, to analyse him. Um, so I'm going to go through his whole comedy career from the, from the start to his the, his first film that he directed, Eighth Grade. As of as I'm recording this, he's only directed one film, Eighth Grade. So I'm going to go from his early days up to, up as far as then. I would have first seen him. I'll tell you the story of how I first seen him. Me and my brother were looking through Netflix one day. I would have been about 14. And we were looking through Netflix. We were trying to find some stand-up to watch. And we were just flicking through, flicking through. And next thing we just seen this thing. Bo Burnham, what? That was the name of the show, was what? We were like, alright, who's this? And we looked at it and the, the description was fucking weird. And we were like, what the fuck's that about? And then it just looked a bit strange. And we said, here, we'll flick it on. Just expecting, just, we were expecting normal, a normal just stand-up comedian. And, and if you've seen What by Bo Burnham, you'll know what the fuck I'm talking about. But as it started, we were like, what the actual fuck is this? <laughs> um, so it starts off. It's him in the middle of a stage, and there's just a, a, a red spotlight o- down on top of him. And there's a computerized voice just introducing the show, talking, going, This is Bo Burnham. He is 22 years old. And it, and it does this whole monologue before he ever says anything. And we were like, What the fuck is this? And next thing, he gets up and starts dancing, and there's these fucking lights. And. Because I've seen it, because now I. I, I pretty much know that whole fucking show off by heart at this stage. But there, there's fucking lights and it's fucking mad. It's like this whole show and it's all these music cues and it's, and we're about two minutes into it. We're going, what the actual fuck is this? And we were just sat there watching it going, wait, what? Because as well, with this thing, my brother has this thing. He doesn't like music. He doesn't like comedy songs at all. Like he watches... Like, he'll watch a show, and if there's a song, he'll just fast-forward it. He won't even listen. He'll just go, fuck these fucking songs, and just fast-forward it. To this day. So he was kind of looking, going, oh, should we turn this off? And we, was like, oh, we were like, yeah, well, give it a minute, give it a minute, give it a minute. Honestly, we were waiting to turn this off, because we were like, what the fuck is this? And we are like, here, just give it a minute. And we kind of stuck with it, and we were kind of chuckling away, kind of going, this is... Okay. And after about 20 minutes... We both kind of looked at each other and went, are you enjoying this? And we both went, yeah. <laughs> we both went, I'm really fucking enjoying this. I think this is fucking brilliant. And I became up fucking obsessed with him ever since then. Again, I was about 14 years of age. I've talk, I was talk, like, I've talked before about my obsession with Nirvana when I was, when I was young. I was about four, a similar time around 14, 15. Well, another one of my major obsessions was Bo Burnham when I was about 14, 15. I was just fucking obsessed. I was like, who the fuck is this? I was like, what the fuck is his deal? What does he, like, what the fuck is actually. And, and then I went Googling. I was like, here, what's his story? Does he have other shows on Netflix? He didn't at the time. We were like, so what's the story? And I was doing a bit of Googling. And I found out more about him. And I just became fucking obsessed. I was just fucking enamoured with him. 
he had all these different songs and all these different things and after a while like to this day he's one of them things like everyone has fucking a band or something that they used to love when they were 13 and now they just know all the songs off by heart a lot of people are like that with like One Direction or something you know people they just know all the songs I know all the words to most Bo Burnham songs like off by heart even his raps <laughs> just I, I, like, I, I still listen to him every now and again every now and again I'll flick I'll go well, let's, listen to, let's listen to some fucking Bo Burnham and I'll just flick him on and I know all the words just to like and there's some and some of them are fairly dense songs and I, I just know the whole fucking thing because I was fucking obsessed I, I honestly was just I was just enamoured by him and the thing about him was he it was the thing and this is again this is going to sound very cringy and kind of pretentious like, it, it kind of showed me he showed me that comedy can be A can be dark I mean I was already into kind of darker comedians like Jimmy Carr and stuff like that just and Frankie Boyle and stuff you know it's very kind of dark dark humour and Bob Burnham showed me yes you can have dark humour that isn't just dark in the sense of making jokes about fucking jokes about 9-11 or the Holocaust or something it can be dark in terms of just being very introspective and it can be dark in the sense that you can have a fucking song about being depressed <laughs> and you can have a song about feeling unhappy and again a big one was singing about and having a full show essentially about having anxiety which again at the time which I've spoke about before I was incredibly fucking anxious at the time I was around that age was the kind of peak time of my anxiety I was just fucking miserable all the time and just everywhere I went I was terrified at all times (laughs) like I've probably said it before it's like it was like a case of like, do you know when you're at a page boy at your auntie's wedding when you're about nine and you're just really nervous and you're just kind of going, oh, God. Like, I felt that for about two years solid. And it was around this time. And again, you're hearing this and you're watching a fucking comedy show, which is which is meant to be, you know, comedies, you know, it's meant to be a laugh. It's meant to be all jokes. And it's, and he's just, and it's, and it's deeper than that. It's, and, he, and he's going in and he's, He's trying to. It's particularly with the show what, and then later on with his with the with his third and final stand up show, Make Happy. It's a whole thing about him just digging deep and trying to fucking understand himself and trying to understand what he's going through and kind of trying to make sense of his make sense of his of his of his anxiety through comedy. Um, that sh- it was just, it was just, it was just amazing to me. I was just shocked, and I was just, I was just fucking enamored by him. And to this day, I still, I still, to this day, I still think he's one of the best. He, he's, he's probably my favorite comedian of all time. To this day, I just fucking adore him. Everything he does, I just think is fucking hilarious. Um, so I'm g- I'll start off with his career, and I'll try and analyze it through a certain. Through a certain um, lens. What happened was. So first he um, started. He started off. Um, on YouTube. 
right? He started off writing songs on YouTube, and his first song ever was a song. He's about 15 years old, and it's funny to look back at now. <laughs> he's about 15 years old, and it's the first song was called "My Whole Family Thinks I'm Gay," and it's his whole song, <laughs> which it's very it's very much in the title, just about, and it's all these kind of. It's all these just, just little, all these little jokes about how his family all think he's gay, <laughs> and that's the whole thing. And then, and then that kind of took off. And he was doing all these other songs, and he had a, he had some other ones. I mean, some of my personal favorites. I mean, there's a there was a period from when he was about fifteen to when he's about seventeen, when he was just releasing songs on YouTube. Um, where he had where he just had some great songs. He had. I mean, personal favourites from that kind of... Um, there's I'm Bo Yo, is, is his biggest song from that era, from that kind of time. It's his biggest song. Again, I know the whole song, <laughs> Off by Art. <laughs> and I was listening to it, in preparation for this, I was listening to it going, Jesus fucking Christ, this song is long and has a lot of lyrics, and I know every single fucking one of them. You know, but it's very, um, you know, it was around, this was around, you know, 2006, 2007 kind of YouTube kind of time. It it was very early YouTube stuff. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's very kind of silly little songs on YouTube back in the day. It was, it was, this was before YouTube was what it is today, you know. It was literally just a ladder in his bedroom making these songs. And this is another thing that struck me. I was kind of I was almost reminded then when I was watching his stuff back this time. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see on my Instagram, I've got what have I two songs, well raps essentially of me. There's two different ones, and it's just me doing these ridiculous raps. And then I remembered I was looking at him going, "Holy shit! Oh yeah, I forgot about that. The way I have them filmed, and this will show you the way I have them filmed." The way I have them framed in my bedroom in a certain way. That was I was purposely trying to mimic Bo Burnham's early stuff on YouTube. I was pur- purposely going, I should do it like Bo Burnham did. Like just the idea of just yeah, let's just have it in his bedroom and not trying to do anything not trying not trying to do anything too extravagant. I don't think he was doing it he was doing it purposefully. I think he was just like, Oh yeah, me in my bedroom. I don't think it was much talk gone into it. Um so when I was doing my ones, I was like, "Here, I was like, here, let's let's do it like that, let's do it like that," because that's that was just funny to me. Um, so that's what he was doing, and you know, he was really big on YouTube. He was really big at the time, and he was one of the kind of earliest viral kind of YouTube stars. He was one of the earliest ones, to my knowledge. I mean, I wasn't following it at the time, but he was one of the earliest kind of. He's one of the earliest stars, but there's not a lot of, at that time, there wasn't a lot of introspective stuff that I kind of love about him. Do you know what I mean? There isn't, like, he's not fucking digging deep into his soul and wondering what the fuck's wrong with him in any of that stuff. But that's that's how he got started. And then kind of through that, and if you look at his YouTube, you can kind of see this happen. So it starts off, and it's all just songs. And then there's a video of him announcing that he's going on tour. And I was fascinated. I don't like reading comments a lot of the time. 
sometimes I try to avoid it, but like comments are a laugh sometimes. I was reading the comments on that video, and there was a kind of a mixed message. There was a few people saying, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's fucking finally done it." People who are clearly been these people have clearly been fans of him for quite a while. People going, "I can't believe he's clearly fuck. He's actually fucking. He's done it now. He's going on tour. Oh my god, he's a proper comedian now." And there were some people saying, "Oh my fucking god, he's after selling out." And I was just fascinated by that idea. I was just kind of fascinated with that idea that people are kind of looking going, ah, oh, fuck, Bob Burnham sold out. Just because I know, I don't know why that kind of always struck me. I always just thought that was funny. And then he released, he was doing other stuff. He was on, I think he had a, he had a, he had a small little, um, kind of thing on Comedy Central. He had a small like half an hour little thing on Comedy Central. Which was just, I think, him singing his songs from YouTube. And he had a couple of albums. I think he had like two kind of short albums. With some of which were kind of studio versions of his YouTube songs. And then other ones. And a couple of other just kind of album tracks. He had a couple of bits like this. But then when he was... But then this was it. He was going on tour. And at the time he was just a musical comic. That's all he was. And... His first stand-up show, Words, 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 is, for all intents and purposes, Words, Words, Words is just a stand-up show. It really, it, it, it it's just a, a, a kind of a musical stand-up show. It's not, an, it's not, it's not kind of, it's, it's, a, it's kind of clearly his first step away from YouTube but it's kind of just him doing his YouTube thing on stage more or less and I mean he does I mean I listened back to it later uh, I listened back to it because um, I couldn't find the actual video of it anywhere so I, I just listened to just the album just to see there's a, there's a kind of just a CD version I, just, I, I listened back to that and it's good it's a it's a good show it is a good show and it's really funny and it is really funny. I can't stress that enough. It's really funny. But it's not great just yet. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't achieved... He, he still hasn't achieved his level... He's, uh, he hasn't achieved the level of greatness yet. Does that make sense? Probably no. Let's talk about... Yeah, I mean, there's no big lighting setups or anything like that in the show it's a it's a fairly standard show but there's nuggets or kind of seeds of what will eventually he will become his style that you can clearly see i mean there's a whole there's a lot of there's a lot of strong kind of self-deprecation stuff going on in it i mean and again, it's all kind of character based. I mean, the first show, the first song is called What's Funny. And he's not playing himself. He's playing, he's kind of doing it from the perspective. The whole song is from the perspective of of a fellow whose wife's after leaving him. <laughs> um, the whole, yeah, the whole song is from the perspective of, of a fellow's wife after leaving him. And it's filled with all this kind of... 
<laughs> I'm laughing now. <laughs> there was a line in it, for example. He just he's just there singing and he's there playing the piano. And at one stage he stops playing the piano properly and he just starts banging the keys, just going bang, bang, bang. And he goes, and I masturbate because my standards are the only ones low enough to fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on and then throughout the show he kind of he does a lot of that he he does a lot of that kind of stuff talking about there's a feeling towards that whole show that it is I mean the biggest thing that I can take away and see and the reason why it still feels like a Bo Burnham show is because it feels like kind of ironic commentary on other stand-up comedians. He does he does one bit where he says that a lot of other stand-up comedians just think he's a don't really recognize musical comics as a as a as a proper form of comedy and people and they think it's kind of they'd call him a hack is the way he describes it so he says i'm gonna try and do some traditional stand-up comedy now so and he just does this he just does this thing where he just takes the piss out of other comedians he just kind of goes so my wife and just kind of does this whole (laughs) does this whole thing and then that that in particular is one of the big things where i kind of go yeah that's very just the idea of and I'm not saying it was deliberate I mean just the way I've always seen it is that it's a deliberate kind of he's having a go at other comedians to an extent not in a nasty way or nothing like that but you know he's having a go <laughs> he is having a go um, But to an extent with that show, one of the biggest problems I find is he does a couple of his raps in it and it just doesn't work on stage. Like a song like I'm Boyo, his rap, the reason why, and part of the reason why I know it off by heart is because you have to just keep listening to that over and over again to understand all the lines and you have to read the fucking description underneath because he's got the lyrics in the description. You have to read the lyrics along with it. In order to get all the lines. And then pause it. So you can get all the jokes. I mean he himself describes it. And to be fair. It's not too far off what I've what I've done previously on my Instagram. It's just he's, it's just a series of bad jokes. Told in a song. So they sound really clever. And that's kind of exactly what it is. But it's fucking genius is what it is. But it doesn't work on stage. Because you can't. Because you don't have the lyrics with you. And you don't have. And you can't just fucking pause it because he's fucking there on stage. So it kind of doesn't work. He does a song in that show, Words, Words, Words. A song called Words, Words, Words. And that song is... In terms of his rapping, is the peak of his level of fucking... Just genius joke writing told in rhymes. It's just fucking brilliant. It's just fucking brilliant. And that's the peak, I think. I kind of look at that song in particular as like... Uh, almost like an ending to his YouTube stuff. 
because it just doesn't work on stage. You can even listen to it. People aren't laughing. A few people are chuckling, but people just aren't laughing because you just you just can't hear what he's saying. <laughs> you just can't keep up with what he's saying because he's he's talking too fast. You need to pause it. And that's kind of an end to what he was. It's kind of an ending to his original. It's it's an end to his kind of YouTube days. I think that song in particular. But the biggest moment in that show for me is a song called Art Is Dead. That I think might be one of the best things he's ever done. Ever. Even, you know what I mean? Even later on in his career, there's a song called Art Is Dead. And it's it's kind of the first big moment of him... kind of digging deep into himself and trying to analyse himself so I spoke about that about a lot of his comedies about him trying to analyse himself and analyse and as well about the nature of performance and all these other things and Art is Dead is the first kind of song that just does that and isn't funny at all I mean there's a thing with words 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 the whole show that just feels like I talked about it before it it's kind of afraid to not be funny sometimes. It's kind of it's kind of trying to be funny all the time, and it doesn't have to be. So in Art is Dead, before he sings it, he sits on he just sits down behind the piano and just goes, uh, "This song isn't funny at all, but it helps me sleep at night." <laughs> and it it doesn't sound like he's being. It doesn't sound like he's being funny. It sounds like he's being kind of sincere. And then he sings the song and it's all about how it's essentially about his guilt about being a comedian and being a professional comedian. So here it is. He starts off just playing videos, just uploading videos to YouTube. And now he's now he's got this whole professional show and all these people have paid to come and see him. And he sings this song about it's called it's called Art is Dead. So he just sings this song about how, essentially about how all comedians and actors are essentially just grown-up children who never learned that every day can't be about them. (laughs) That's kind of the first verse of the song. And then the second verse is him talking about how he's not deserving of all the money that people have paid to come and see him. And there's a line he says something like, I wanted my name in lights when I could have fed a family of four for 40 fucking fortnights. <laughs> and there's this whole thing about like people work really hard to save up money to buy a ticket and he does fuck all. And it's just this whole thing where people are kind of laughing in the first verse and people are kind of chuckling and at a point no one's laughing anymore. And there's a line So people think you're funny how do we get those people's money? That's the line in the song. It's just fucking... It's so, so true about it. And there's something about that. Again, listen to that over and over again at the age of about 15. I think to this day, I still fucking hate all celebrities. I don't know if I've given out about that here. I've definitely given out about that on the radio. I fucking hate celebrities. Celebrities are a bunch of cunts. All of them. Fuck them. Tom Hanks. Fuck Tom Hanks. Do you know, I might get on Twitter. I don't know how you go about cancelling someone, but I want to cancel Tom Hanks. Don't know why, but fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. 
I don't know how you go about cancelling people, and I don't agree with cancel culture usually until I start cancelling people. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna start that. I don't know why people keep going on. Tom Hanks is the nicest guy in the world. Suspect. Fuck him. Cancel him quick. <laughs> but but I do have a I do have a strong. I just don't trust any of them. I don't like watching those fucking award shows where they all just fucking clap at each other for fucking thinking they're special. I just have a... a vendetta against all of them. Which isn't good for a film student, you know what I mean? And I'm a huge film fan. But I just fucking hate actors. They're all a bunch of dopes. I just fuck, I just can't stand them. Which isn't ideal if you're a, if you're a big film fan. But honestly, the more I think about it, I think a lot of that is rooted in the fact that I heard the song Art is Dead by Bo Burnham when I was about 15 and it just pointed it out to me I was like oh my god yeah the comedians do fuck all <laughs> to this day I'm still just like fuck them <laughs> do you know what I mean and you know fair play to them but still I think to this day I just I, I've never had that I think my vendetta against celebrities I think is rooted in that but even in that song there's a, there's a strong level of it's there's guilt. He feels guilty about it. Which, again, at the age of about 15, watching this, going, this is supposed to be a comedy show, and now he's just singing the song about the guilt he feels about about going on stage and telling jokes. And I was just, and I mean, I'm not saying there's not other comedians that have done that kind of thing or anything, but it was just, it was just the first time I'd ever seen anything like this. It was just like, fucking mind-boggling. I was just like... How like how does how do you how do you do that? And it's just irony, you know. What I mean? It's just it's just that's all it is really. But it was just it was just my first there was something sincere about it that really resonated with me. It was it was really I really kind of got a kick out of not say got a kick out of it because that's that's not good enough. It just, it just really, something about it just hit me. It, just, I was really just like, oh my god, yeah, fucking hell. Something about it just hit me right in the chest. Like it was just, I remember like, just being very young and just kind of going, fucking hell. So that's words, 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 which brings me then to what his next show, which the show I was talking about previously. I mean, I talked about seeing it first and going what the fuck is this I mean now it's probably my favourite <sighs> yeah that that and his next one <laughs> are probably my two favourite stand up comedy specials of all time the two of them just I can't I, I, so I do think about other ones I do kind of go what about Dave Chappelle no it's Bo Burnham what I make happy are my, like my two favourite ones ever there's just something about him. So I'll talk about what first. I mean, I talked about this first. I talked about the lighting in it. In between those shows, in words, 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 there's no big lighting setups. It's a it's a standard show. It's just, you know, like any other comedian, you know, spotlight on him. Everything's just basically lit. It's very basic. Him and a piano, him and a guitar, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? He talks about there's an interview of him talking about this. He 
he tells a story of going to see a comedian in like a big theater and he says this big huge room big huge theater and it's just one lad just stood there one and he and it's just one tiny man just sat there and he says you remember just he, he said he, he was just looking around at the theater he's like going this is a fucking theater like and it's just a man standing there he's like look at the fucking look at the fucking look at like all the lighting rigs and everything's like this could be this place could be absolutely bumping he said, why don't people use that to their advantage? And again, he's fucking young here now, lads, as well. If you keep forgetting. Like, in words, 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 He when that came out, he was 18, 19. That's younger than I am now. Do you know what I mean? And I'm still fucking enamoured by it, which is funny to me. Like, do you know what I mean? And then, what? He was 21, 22, same age as I am now. So, you know, I better get fucking moving. But, <laughs> but, in what... He, he uses everything to his advantage because it's a fucking theatre you might as well <laughs> do you know what I mean and an, to an extent the show wouldn't work if he didn't have if, if if it wasn't for these lights that's part of the show and it's part of the comedy you know what I mean and he manages to make this work so so I talked about the opening you know this kind of it's just him and there's this red light down top of him and there's this robot voice going this is Bo Burnham and it's just saying all of these jokes. And then at one point it just says, You're an asshole, Bo. You think you know better than me. You think you know better than everybody. You will die alone. And you will deserve it. But in the meantime, you might as well tell those silly jokes of yours. See if that helps. <laughs> And there's just something about that that's always freaked me out. And I just kind of look at it and go, fucking hell, this is a comedy show. And that's how he starts. That's how he starts a fucking comedy show. And and then the lights come in and it's all, and it's this big flashy fucking show. I think the biggest example of the use of light in this show is, and as well, there's a great video on YouTube if you want to look more into this, about how Bob Burnham uses light. Just in other stuff that he's directed and stuff like that as well. But, um... The best example is a song called Left Brain, Right Brain. And it's this whole bit where he he separates his left brain and his right brain. And they're having an argument with each other. So his left brain is his kind of thinking brain. That's kind of smart and methodical and kind of logical and then the right brain is his feeling brain which is kind of wild and goofy and kind of crazy and that's and it's the two of them having an argument and it does this whole thing he said he's seen it when he watched fucking what's his name david hasselhoff (laughs) of all fuckers doing jekyll and hyde and he's kind of going over and back and he's like that's fucking good so in bo burnham's thing (laughs) like when he does left brain, he faces one way and there is a white light shining on him. And when he does right brain, he turns and there's kind of coloury lights on him. And it separates and he does it like these, these two characters having this argument with each other. And at first, there's this silly little song about how kind of how they're kind of different 
it's this kind of standard comedy situation, kind of a straight guy and a kind of wild guy, and it's this kind of standard thing. And then after a while, they start arguing, and after a while, his right brain, the feeling brain, says to him, he says, half of his problems were supposed to be mine, but you wanted everything. I hope that you're happy, because he's sure not. Again, as another line, and as another line as well, that hit me fucking deep to the core when I was fucking young. Because that's exactly what I was feeling. Because that's the thing about all anxiety. Is like, is it's, is it's your fucking thinking brain just takes over and doesn't and and just because it thinks it's right, because your fucking your thinking side of yourself just thinks it's right about everything. It won't let anything through, and you can't stop your fucking thinking brain from 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 doing everything, from taking over. And that's what this is. And it's this battle that's kind of saying, you fucking took over. And just took everything, and now he's unhappy. And then it kind of, and then the thinking brain gets ratty and says, "You're the one who's supposed to be keeping him emotionally stable. If he's feeling unhappy, it's your fucking fault." And it's this whole thing. They're having these arguments, and they're saying, and eventually they come to the conclusion. They say, "Look, this is this isn't going to get us anywhere. So maybe there's something we can do together that will make him happy again." And they come to the conclusion that comedy will help will will save him this idea that the thinking brain gets to analyze and then the feeling brain gets to kind of express itself and that they can work together and it'll make him happy again and that's how it kind of ends is they kind of decide that that's what they're going to do that to me has always been the biggest thing that just that's one of his kind of biggest moments it's this kind of this idea of it's the idea of one of performance that's the biggest I think that's that's one of the things and that's one of that's a kind of a recurring theme in all of his stuff is performance but another thing is just anxiety and 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 you know you know, just, and that's what resonated with me most, was just a fucking someone, again, like I said it before about, you know, when I was, when I was that age, you know, I was very, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of everything else, as does everyone really when they're that age, but it's like, here's someone who's just fucking talking about it, and someone talking about it in a comedy setting, it just fucking would blow your fuck, it would just blow your mind, and and that's what he, and that's what he, and, and that's, and that's kind of what I think I'm trying to get at here, is the idea of using comedy to look inward and to analyse yourself and to kind of, a, a kind of introspective look at yourself through a comedy show. And it's not afraid to stop being funny sometimes. And it's really not afraid to stop being funny sometimes. The ending of that show is three kind of voices speaking to him. One is of kind of a, a kind of a superficial kind of fan of him, kind of who doesn't really know that much about him at all. And it's kind of like going, oh my god, you should come to this party. And it's him doing all these voices, by the way, which I thought, which I always find funny. It's he's like, oh my god, you should come to this party and sing some songs for us or something. 
And then the next one is like a business executive saying, yeah, you need to start putting more stuff on the internet. doesn't matter if it's good or not. You just need to keep your brand alive and well. And um, and then the third one is a is this is this kind of bit of, is this fellow who's a bit of a lad and he's kind of going oh yeah you're a fucking prick man you think you're better than us yeah oh, fuck you. He then takes the stuff this horrible stuff that they're all saying to him and makes a song out of it. So he kind of loops it and he kind of he does this whole thing and he does it live on stage. It's hard to describe. You'll have to just go and watch what I'm talking about. It's called We Think We Know You. Just look up Bo Burnham, we think we know you. And then he takes the lines, we think you've changed, bruh. We know best. You suck. And he mixes it to to make them to make them sing, We think we know you. 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 And then he takes that loop and he puts piano over it and he turns it into this whole song. And then after a while, it's lights and it's everything and it's this whole big thing. It's really and truly the biggest thing about him was he he was he wasn't a comedian really. He was more influenced clearly by musicals and kind of big shows. He he talks a lot about actually being influenced by Kanye West shows of all people. He was he was he was more into the idea of creating a show and creating a big. Yeah, creating a show rather than just telling jokes. And he just... And he used... And he used that to his advantage in the... In that in that last bit in what? That's how, he, that's how what ends. Is him taking these kind of people that he's clearly had to deal with. And it's clearly kind of a personal thing. That he's had to deal with since becoming... A kind of a name and becoming a professional comedian he's had to deal with these kind of people and then just essentially just turning it into a song and just kind of saying you don't know me stop pretending you know me you don't know me and he kind of owns it and it's fucking amazing it's fucking amazing so that whole show and I mean that's only two songs from the show but that whole show is probably my favorite, one of two my favorite shows of all time. Which brings me to my next, which brings me to his next and last stand-up show, which was Make Happy. He only did three. Well, he, I don't know, he might have done more tours, but those are his three kind of shows that you could, that are kind of available to to find. Um, so it was his last show, Make Happy. Now, Make Happy is a show again. So at this stage he's 25, he's been doing stand-up shows now for since he was, you know, 18, 19. And at this stage, the shows are kind of becoming about performing and kind of about becoming about the nature of performance. And I talked before about the guilty feels for, you know, taking people's money and all these kind of things. At this stage, Make Happy just becomes... 100% about performing just and, and 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 he to the point where he says it um so make happy for example i mean i don't want to jump straight to the end but at the end yeah so at the end of the show near the end of the show he 
he does this whole monologue and this is a thing he said it before like he was worried about doing these idea the idea of doing a show about performance he was kind of worried that it would be too specific to him that people wouldn't get it and it wouldn't relate to an audience but he said he found a lot of young people he actually said particularly young girls which I don't know what it says about me <laughs> but he found a lot of young people um, saying exactly what I'm saying was watching his shows just kind of going fucking hell I feel exactly like that I feel exactly like that I feel incredibly anxious and I feel incredible like I just something about it just resonates with me and at the end of Make Happy, he talks about this. He says he realised that in this day and age, you can do a show about performing because this this is a generation of people who just perform all the time. He said because people used to have, and I mean, I'm kind of butchering it here, but uh, I'll I'll just kind of give my own kind of wording of it. It's to the effect of, like, people used to have, you know, people used to have dreams of being an actor, or people used to have dreams of wanting to, you know, you know be a rock star, be a pop star, be, you know, and be famous. And then social media and the internet came along and just gave people a platform to perform everything. And he just says, essentially, what everyone does with social media is performs all the time and social media has given us the outlet to just perform to our heart's content and he say and he says and then he just says it's like if you get the opportunity to live your life without an audience you should which i which i always thought was fascinating and that's when it comes and that's what just comes back to i think just this idea of i think everyone i think and i think that's a big thing that resonated with me. That's, that's part of the reason why a lot of it resonated with me. Not totally. But I think that's definitely part of the reason why it all resonated with me. It's because everyone is performing. To an extent. Everyone is performing to an extent. You know what I mean? Like. I mean, you know, that's a common conversation now when it comes to social media and all the rest of it, you know. I mean, but not necessarily even with social media. I mean, just everything you do. You know, everyone wants to, everyone wants, everybody wants to be liked. Do you know what I'm saying? Everyone wants to be seen as someone who's, you know, everyone wants to be seen as funny. Everyone wants to be seen as good looking. Everyone, everybody wants to be seen as smart. You know, all these things. And... There's an element of performance that we kind of go through in order to in order to achieve that. I mean, we all fucking do it. Even now, you know what I mean. I'm just sat up here in a fucking bedroom talking into a microphone. I mean, there's a certain element of performance to this. Do you know what I mean? There's a certain element of what I'm doing right now that is fucking tragic enough. There's a certain element that just I'm just sitting here wanting people to like me. You know what I mean? There's a lot of there is a certain there's a certain there's a performance and there's an idea of 
Yeah, no, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not a, I'm not a psychology student or I'm not a, a, a psychology expert by any, by any means, but, so I'm going to butcher this, but the, uh, the psychologist Carl Rogers had the theory of the ideal self versus the real self, and there's the real self of who you actually are, and there's your ideal self of how you want others to perceive you, so essentially to, in order to other people to see you in the way you want to be seen you're acting out as a version of yourself that isn't actually who you actually are and i mean i think that's what resonated with me about bo burnham about what he was saying there about this idea of everything you do is performance and that's why we can relate to this idea that's why we can relate to a show that seems so specifically catered to someone who's a professional performer because we essentially perform all the fucking time. And the idea of what Carl Rogers was saying, as well to go back to that, was the more time you spend as your real self, the happier you will be. So, I mean, even to an extent, like right now, as I'm recording this, I'm trying to be as open and honest as I possibly can. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not, I'm trying to make sure that that this is this is me. That, that as you're listening to this, I'm kind of taking an idea that I have about. I'm kind of taking this idea. I want to. I want to discuss Bo Burnham, my favorite comedian. I'm taking this idea, and I want to. And I want to discuss him and talk about how why I like him, how much I like him, what he means to me, all the rest of it. But I want to. I want to make sure that it feels like. I want to make sure it feels like this is me as much as humanly possible. And you know, I achieve it to an extent and sometimes I achieve it, sometimes I don't. And you know, But this is me. This is me when I'm on my own. As you're listening to this, this is me as I'm on my own. When I'm left alone, this is how, this is how I, this is who I am. When there's no one else in the room and there's no pressure or there's no, this is just the way I am. But, is it? Because I'm fucking... Because I feel the need to record it and put it online. And after I do this, I'm going to go back and I'm going to edit out some bits. I'm going to make sure it's just going to... So is it me? Is it? Or am I bullshitting? Am I bullshitting you? Am I bullshitting myself? Do you know what I mean? Is this just me trying to seem smarter than I am is this me trying to be something that I'm not I don't know I don't know (laughs) I don't know but at the earliest I was ever exposed to this idea was watching Bo Burnham when I was young a fucking comedian (laughs) a fucking stand up comedian made me think this kind of thing you know what I mean that's why I love him so much. That's why that's why it always resonated with me deeply. That's why it always it just always had such an impact on me because it just made me think this kind of shit. And then at the end of that show, he does this kind of instrumental rant, um, kind of Kanye West style. Um, <laughs> he he has music over it and he has auto tuner in his voice, 
and he goes, I'm just going to talk about my problems. And first he just talks, you know, silly things. And, and that's the other thing about his comedy as well. It's very silly. It's very goofy. Do you know what I mean? It's very, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, there's probably people who have already stopped listening to this podcast to go and watch some of it and gone, what the fuck is this? This is stupid. Because it's very silly. It's very over the top. It's very, <laughs> it's very specific. I get, I understand totally if people don't like his comedy at all. I understand that 100%. But um, he starts, you know, and he's just, he, so he's doing this rant and he's just talking about his problems. And then at a point he just breaks it down and he just says, look, I can pretend like my biggest problems are all this, this and this. So, but the truth is my biggest problem is you. And he stares into the audience and he just kind of says, it's like, I want to be true to myself, but I also want to give you a good show. And he talks about all these kind of different things. And then he just looks and there was this line. He says, come and watch the skinny kid with the steadily declining mental health. And laugh as he attempts to give you what he cannot give himself. That, at the age of 15, nearly made me cry. And I, I was just like, oh my god. And again, it comes back to the same thing. It's, it's the nature of performing. And it's the nature of wandering. And kind of being paranoid about the idea of, am I being true to myself or not? Or am I trying to... You know what I mean? Am I trying to be myself or am I trying to be something I'm not? And then that's the end of the show. And then he just and he just says at the end of that end of that song, it just ends and he just says, Thank you, good night, I hope you're happy. And then that's the end of the show. And then it cuts to it the and then it cuts to this thing where it's just him in a room. There's no crowd. And he turns to the camera and says, Oh good, it's just us. And he sings this song called, Are You Happy? And it's this song where he just kind of goes through this whole thing. And the second verse then he talks about, the second verse of that song, he talks about how he wants to be happy. He really wants to be happy. And he, and he says this thing, he's like, and I could get it if I didn't always panic every time I'm unhappy. And then he says, so on a scale, and he, and there's something about this, it's the silliest little thing, but it's always just kind of made me go, Jesus. He says, on a scale of one to two, are you happy? One to two, because that's just another reason, yes or no. And I remember listening to that when I was about 15. Again, back to all this again. Listen to that. Scale of one to two. Are you happy? And I remember just kind of going. Sometimes going and going. I don't think I am. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm happy now. Don't worry about me. I'm happy. I'm fucking loving life at the moment. I'm having. I don't remember a time in my life. I've been this happy as I am today. The world has fallen to shit. The world is fucking collapsing. There's a fucking pandemic. We're not allowed to leave our houses. And I don't think I've been... Even with that, I don't think I've been this happy. Ever. So don't worry about me. (laughs) But I remember really listening to that just going, Jesus, I don't think I am happy. And uh, that always just stuck with me. And there's something about that. It just has... It just I listen to that song still, even though it's 
you know, it's a fucking Bo Burnham song. It's still just fucking just tears at me a little bit. There's a kind of nostalgic thing about it, I think. There's a sort of... Yeah, it just reminds me of that time in my life. I just... It's a very fun... I have a lot of fun memories of listening to Bo Burnham on repeat being the age of 15. And then it ends with him getting up and walking out the door. And he goes off into the distance and you can just see out of focus. It's his girlfriend holding a baby and he goes over and he kind of kisses the baby and they go into the house. And it just kind of ends. And it just seems, and then it's just this end. And it's just this nice little bookend on his comedy career. Where he just kind of says, it's the last line of that song is, You're everything you hated. Are you happy? Hey look ma, I made it. Are you happy? And then he gets up and walks out and then goes over to his baby and walks into the house. No, he doesn't actually have a baby, but it's it's it's, it's it kind of seems like it's kind of a dream of him having a child and wanting a family and wanting to just leave the kind of comedy stuff behind. And it's this lovely little bookend to his career. It's a lovely little. It's just it's just a lovely, well-rounded end to a very short comedy career. Very short. And I remember at the time being really upset about it. I remember going, oh my god, no more Burnham. Like, what the fuck? And until a couple of years after, he directs a film. A film which I didn't get to see up until a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> The film 8th Grade he directed. Um, and the film 8th Grade is... And again, I've seen interviews of him talking and him kind of saying it's not as closely linked to his own story as... Or when he was writing it, he, he wasn't as... It wasn't thought as being as closely linked to his own story as... As it might look. But it's this, it's a, it's it's this girl, she's 12 or 13 and she has a YouTube channel. It's a film... Oh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about this film for a minute. The main girl in it is played by a girl called Elsie Fisher. And by fucking God, she's unbelievable. She got nominated for a Golden Globe for that film. And fuck me, it was a well-deserved nomination. Fucking hell, she's amazing. And so the so the film you know she in her youtube channel in the film she talks about you know being confident and all these things and it's based on real i mean we've all probably seen a couple of these at some point in our life just a suggestion of just a, a girl who's about 12 years of age just talking into a camera just talking shite into a camera and just having her channel and she has about 10 views no subscribers but she's still doing it and she's talking about all these things well Oh, so a couple of these videos on YouTube and just thought, fucking God, fucking hell, that's that's beautiful. I wanted to make a film about it. So that's what the film's about. It's about this young girl called Kayla with this YouTube channel and it just and it just shows what her actual life is like. That she talks about trying to be confident. She talks about, you know, being confident and putting yourself out there and all these things. And she's not confident at all. And she's 
and it's she's about 12 or 13 and there isn't I was watching it going there isn't many films about this age it's on Netflix by the way it's on well it's on the Netflix here in Ireland um and that's the only reason I got to see it there, there was no way of getting it on DVD or anything else uh, believe me I tr- I've been trying for years to try and get it somehow but <laughs> I only got to see it and if you like coming of age films which I, I'm i a, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a coming of age uh, uh, what's the word I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good coming of age film I just fucking love them um but I was, uh, um, it's on Netflix, so I, I recommend you go watch it if you like that kind of, if you like coming of age films. But I was watching it going, there isn't a lot of films about this age, and I was watching it going, I can see why, because fuck me, it reminds you how awful an age that was. By God, there's a scene. I heard about this scene. You know, when all the reviews came out, I was watching all the reviews. I was watching everything. I was following it big time, and all the reviews were saying that there was a that there was a scene that takes place at a pool party. That's the most intense thing you'll ever fucking see. And I was like, how could it be that intense, lads? There's a scene where she goes to a pool party. She's about thirteen years of age, and she's really you know self conscious about her body because you know she's fucking she's you know you're thirteen, so she's going through puberty, and there's all these other people that are kind of. Or, you know, and she's kind of worried that, like, you know, all the fucking things you worry about at that, that age. And lads, I am not joking. The scene in that film where she goes swimming in a pool is as intense as Mission Impossible 4 when he's going up the fucking Burj Khalifa. I'm not joking. It is the most intense scene I've ever watched in my life. I have never been so uncomfortable watching something I was like no I don't do it <laughs> it was like I spent an, I don't know how long that film is it about an hour and a half I spent most of that film wanting to jump into the screen and just grab her and hug her honestly I'm not even joking and I don't feel that a lot I honestly I was like it just felt so real and she's fucking amazing Elsie Fisher is fucking amazing I just wanted to hop into the television and just grab her and say it's gonna be all right. <laughs> Thirteen's just a shit age. You're gonna be all right. You're gonna be you're gonna be eighteen soon. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> it's it's fucking phenomenal. It's fucking phenomenal. And I was watching it, just going, "This is different to what he's done before. This is different." But as a huge fan. I just went, this is Bob Burnham. I, 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 I can just feel it. I was like, this is exactly the type of film he would make. Even though on paper it doesn't seem like it, but this is exactly the type of film he should make. And he hasn't directed anything since. He's in the film Promising Young Woman, which is nominated for a ball out of Oscars, which, you know, fair play to him. Um, I'm not sure when he's going to direct something next, but... Watching 8th grade, I was like going, you know what? You know what? This suits him. You know what I mean? It's kind of a thing of like, look, he's not, look, he's, he's not going to be doing stand-up shows about, you know, singing songs about, you know, you know, singing these outrageous raps and shit like that. Well into his fucking 40s, you know, he's 30 now, so obviously he's going to have to fucking change it a little bit. And, 
directing films is really seems to be his his thing. It really seems to be his niche. And I'm very, very happy that's what he's doing now. After seeing eighth grade, I'd heard it was brilliant, and I can now confirm it is fucking brilliant. I fucking loved it. And I'm just delighted that's what he's doing now. Um This became a lot more personal than I expected it to be. <laughs> this whole podcast. This became a lot more about my own personal reflection. But Yeah, so that's Bob Burnham. He's my favourite comedian. And I suppose what I wanted to do with this podcast was get to the bottom of what, about why it resonated with me so much. And I think the reason it re- he resonated with me was just because, like I said, the nature of performing, not necessarily on stage, even though that's what he was doing, but just the performance you do every fucking day, trying to, you know, on social media is one thing, but even just you know day-to-day life, trying to just trying to just be someone else for the approval of other people. It was just the first time I'd ever been exposed to that idea. And it was the f- it was one of the first times I'd just seen someone just try to analyse themselves and be hilarious all in one. So you can do <laughs> you can do all those things. You can be introspective and hilarious. You know, you can do a big, wacky, ridiculous, goofy comedy show that's actually a kind of deep study on the nature of performing. And that's why I think it resonated with me so deeply. And that's why, to this day, Bob Burnham is my favourite comedian. So thank you all very much. Go fuck yourselves and good night.